0: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care, here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and
1: comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF, news, talk, traffic. Good afternoon to you. I am Jason Kong, and I am... Pleased to be here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson representing Transitions Life Care. Ladies, uh, we've received word we are no longer allowed to back any local sports teams because yep. <laughs> uh, that is apparently the kiss of death.
2: Okay. You know, we, we backed
1: the <laughs> the Hurricanes and they uh, promptly uh, were eliminated from the playoffs. We backed NC State and ECU in the College World Series, and that that didn't work out well for, no. for I us. Even I even
3: pity backed NC State after uh, <laughs> my ECU loss, so...
2: I'm, so I'm done. For jumping on we're done. Yeah, we're, we're
1: done. We're, we're going to not stick to sports. No we're going to s- stick to health and caregiving. And in fact, we're going to have a conversation all about brain health. And we are very excited to welcome Dr. Lynn Kakas. She is a clinical neuropsychologist at WakeMed Health and Hospitals. Dr. Kakas, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me. So I would like to start with some of the basics. So why should you start thinking about brain health when you're young and what are some ways that you can reduce your risk of developing brain disease?
4: This is a really good question because I think um, the answer is pretty empowering. There's actually been a fairly recent study by the MacArthur Foundation that determined that about 50% of cognitive aging and 70% of physical aging is really due to just the everyday lifestyle choices that we're making, um, while the additional aspects are likely uh, related to genetics. So I think that that... um, can be empowering and can kind of give us the motivation to make sure that we're checking, um, three boxes on a daily or near daily basis. And that would be physical activity, social activity, and then finally mental activity. Um, so regarding physical activity, most experts agree that regular physical activity is actually the single most important thing to improve overall health and really prevent disease. Mm -hmm. And this is true for, Uh, brain health as well. Um, So exercise has been shown to increase level of brain chemicals that can encourage growth of neurons or brain cells. Mm -hmm. And it really amplifies the rate at which we grow these new um, brain cells, particularly within the hippocampus, which is a brain region that's really important for memory. Wow. Um, Exercise. Yeah, and exercise also enlarges blood vessels, so more blood and oxygen can flow into the brain, and obviously it needs that to function properly. Um, So, going by CDC recommendations, um, we should be getting about 30 minutes of physical activity a day, and that can even be within, you know, 10-minute bouts if you can't find a 30-minute block of time, and that should be going on about five days per week while incorporating some type of endurance, strength, training, flexibility, and balance. With respect to social activity, there's actually a lot of evidence that suggests that people who engage in more social activities are less likely to develop dementia and that staying socially active and connecting regularly with friends and family can help preserve mental sharpness. Um, We don't really understand why that's true or why our personal relationships truly benefit the brain, but one theory is that strong social connections can help facilitate new learning and help manage stress. And we know that stress can have an adverse effect on um, our aging process. And, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) yes, we can all attest to that. Um, And, and so the converse is true that social isolate isolation has been correlated to faster cognitive decline um, and other chronic health problems. Mm, And then finally I mentioned, um, Mental activity is really important too, as we can imagine. So it's important to strengthen, maintain, and produce those new neural connections within the brain. So um, examples of mental activities might include learning a new skill or hobby, um, reading, listening to, or playing music, and then, you know, of course, completing cognitively challenging tasks such as crossword puzzles and Sudoku
3: puzzles. Good to know. I was actually just talking off air before we started. I ordered a paint by numbers <laughs> kit from Amazon. Um, and I was just actually talking about how it's such a like therapeutic thing to do for me. So that's such such good advice. Um, you yeah, that's
4: probably checking a couple boxes because it's keeping you mentally active, but also reducing stress too. It so. is. It
3: is, and uh, well, it can be a little stressful because some of those little lines are very tiny on there. But I'm doing my best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned earlier se- about cognitive decline. So, can you talk with us about some signs of cognitive decline that people can be looking for?
4: Sure. Yeah. First, we'll define cognitive decline because I think that can be helpful for mm-hmm. folks. So. Cognitive decline really refers to noticeable decline in aspects of our thinking skills. And those aspects might be memory or attention or processing speed, how quickly you're able to think and take in information. It might be something like your executive functioning, um, which is a fancy term for you can kind of think of the responsibilities of an executive of a company. So organizing, planning, problem solving. Um, you might be noticing visuospatial difficulties, so having a hard time judging distances, or language difficulties. And to some degree, these changes, or this cognitive decline, occurs within a normal healthy aging process. Actually, some of our thinking skills, if you can believe it, start to decline in our 30s. Um, and that's just normal. It's a normal side effect of the aging process within the brain. However, once um, these, this decline starts to exceed just that normal curve or the normal aging process, um, it may be considered what's called mild cognitive impairment. And that just means that you're having changes in your thinking skills, but it hasn't progressed to the point where it's negatively impacting your daily functioning. So you're essentially still able to kind of do all those things for yourself and manage independently, uh, ma- taking medications, you know, managing finances, things like that. Once the decline progresses further and impacts daily functioning in a negative way, that's when it's considered dementia. And so I think it's kind of important to know those terms because then we can talk about what's normal versus what are some signs of, of adverse or abnormal mm-hmm. cognitive decline. so as we get older, it's perfectly normal to start to to note some you know brief memory lapses um, but within the realm of normal you should Kind of acknowledge that it's happening or -hmm. or recall that it's happening or recognize that you're having some forgetfulness. You may have to, you know, pause to remember directions, but you can generally get to where you need to go. You may um, experience some occasional difficulties finding words and having that tip of the tongue type phenomenon, but it shouldn't be interfering with your ability to function normally within conversation. And decision-making should um, generally be intact throughout a normal cognitive decline or normal aging process. However, um, some signs of abnormal cognitive decline may include um, making some errors, doing tasks that you previously had mastered, like balancing your checkbook or managing your medications. Um, You might have limited or no insight into the fact that you're having memory lapses or difficulties. Uh, You may become lost or disoriented, even in familiar locations. Um, You may have frequent word-finding difficulties and find that you're repeating yourself, repeating phrases or stories, and it's noticeable to other people in conversation. And then lastly, another sign um, of abnormal cognitive decline would be uh, difficulties with judgment Mm -hmm. and decision-making.
2: So one last quick question for you. What is the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia and are there ways (laughs) to mitigate your risk for these kinds of cognitive decline?
4: Yeah. So dementia, which is also called major neurocognitive disorder is really defined as significant cognitive decline above and beyond just the normal aging process alone. And it comes with notable functional impairment. Um, So you're, Cognitively, things have progressed to the point where it's making it hard for you to kind of manage your day to day tasks. Dementia is just an umbrella term. There are a lot of different types or a lot of different causes for dementia, and Alzheimer's disease um, is the most common type of dementia. Uh, statistics suggest that it comprises about 50 to 75% of dementia cases. And it's characterized by the development of amyloid plaques and neurofibrillary tangles within the brain. Um, we know that age is actually the strongest risk, risk factor for Alzheimer's disease. Um, so, you know, obviously there's nothing you can do about that. Um, but taking care of your health, as we mentioned before, by, um, you know, eating a healthy diet, getting exercise. Um, making sure that you're sleeping adequately, and then checking the box of social activity and engagement and um, mental activity is going to be important for mitigating that risk.
1: Those are some great suggestions. We thank you, Dr. Lynn Kakis, clinical neuropsychologist at WakeMed Health and Hospitals. Thank you so much for your time today.
4: Thank you. It was a pleasure.
1: We are taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic.
0: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of
1: Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Hey, if you ever want to find more about Transitions Life Care, go online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. I am Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, and we are continuing on the subject of brain health, but now we're going to look at it from the lens of nutrition and how that is also related to healthy brain aging. And we are very pleased to welcome Marcia Kenner. Marsha is a registered dietitian at WakeMed Health and Hospitals. She works in cardiac rehab and inpatient nutrition. Marcia, thank you so much for joining us today.
5: Oh, great. I'm so glad to be here to talk about this. We're glad to have you, too.
3: Um, I know there's so much information out there about nutrition, and there's a lot of buzzwords going around, Um, so I'm really excited to kind of get some some good facts from a a registered dietitian. So being that it's Brain Month, as Jason mentioned, we wanted to talk about um, some nutrition that benefits your brain. So in your opinion, what are the top five brain foods for healthy brain aging?
5: Um, well, how about if I gave you 10 top ones?
3: Hey, All we'll right. take it.
5: <laughs> I like options. All right. Um, so there's actually, um, and ten, 10 is the perfect number um, in this case, there is a, um, a plan called the MIND diet. Hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's a, um, it, the acronym stands for mediterranean Dash intervention for neurodegenerative delay. I know that's a lot. That's why they <laughs> call it the Mind Diet. Um, and it is, it's is—it's a, a mashup of the Mediterranean diet, which a lot of people have heard about, and it is one of the buzz diets right now. Yes. Um, definitely. Um, and the DASH diet, which is Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. Hmm. Um, and both of those are really considered heart-healthy diets. Uh, and I tell people all the time, what is good for the heart, is good for the brain mm. and, and people perk up when I tell them, you know, you eat a heart healthy diet and it can help your brain, you know, cause they're all, and I do cardiac rehab and they're all like, well, they can stent my heart, but they mm-hmm. can't do anything for my brain. Mm-hmm. So they, they sit up and listen, but so the mind diet actually has 10, um, food groups that are considered, um, very healthy groups for the brain um, leafy green vegetables. Um, so, you know, lettuces, salads, um, greens here in the South, that's fairly easy for those of us who, um, eat, you know, um, greens a lot, spinach and the um, number two is other vegetables. So really any vegetables, um, are good for your brain, nuts, berries, beans. So kidney beans, pinto beans, lentils, lima beans, um, anything in that um, family? Whole grains, seafood, poultry, olive oil, and wine.
3: Ah, oh, I like oh. that last <laughs> Wait, item on the list. What did you say? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we did. We we missed that. What was the last one again?
5: <laughs> uh, wine. Okay. Now okay. I will say that there's some controversy about that, um, but um, we can. But it is um, part of the mind diet. Wonderful. Love it.
3: Yeah. That's something I can get down with. Yeah. So,
5: good fat <laughs> or
2: bad fat, what is the difference and does it play a factor in brain health?
5: Um, absolutely. And that goes right back to our list um, with olive oil. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and then I, actually, the mind diet has five foods that are unhealthy for oh. the brain. Um, and um, one of those is the butter and stick margarine. Mm. So, um, what we're looking at definitely, um, if the majority of the oil, uh, that someone uses for cooking and for, you know, maybe even drizzling over vegetables or roasting, uh, vegetables, if that is olive oil, that is good for the brain. Mm -hmm. Um, and if they use more butter or stick margarine, that is um, not as good for the brain. So the healthy fats are going to be definitely olive oil, but um, more so oils than something that is solid at room temperature.
3: Mm -hmm. I'm curious for my own personal knowledge, would that include like an avocado oil? Because I know that's really like the hot item on the market right Mm -hmm. now, and I use it myself. So would that be
5: kind of equal to olive oil? Yeah, avocados, olives, nuts and seeds, Mm -hmm. um, peanuts, um, all of those are heart-healthy fat choices, so, you know, that the uh, fat and nuts are, are kind of high in fat, so they're on that healthy brain um, list as well. Um, but so, um, those are heart healthy, but when you're talking about the oil itself, Mm -hmm. um, olive oil is your best option. Okay. Good to know. Yeah.
3: So you mentioned, you know, we talked briefly about how stick butter and margarine are kind of on that list of, of some red flag foods for brain health. Can you talk about some of those other items on that list?
5: Um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, red meats and that's going to include beef, pork, lamb. Um, And then cheeses, uh, pastries, and sweets, and um, fried fast foods. Wow, so that ruled out my charcuterie
3: board. Mm, Darn.
2: (laughs) <laughs> we were starting. We were on a good note with wine, and then we switched yeah. to no charcuterie. And yeah. Then, yeah. So
5: you'll have to do. You'll have to do some nuts and berries. Oh, that's uh, fine. with your wine. Okay, that's good. You can do that.
2: So, how much of an impact can diet have on avoiding and reversing cognitive decline and other brain issues? Right.
5: So the initial study um, that they did on the Mind Diet, um, and it was it was it wasn't um, a controlled clinical trial, which is kind of the gold standard for studies. It looked at Um, what people ate and put it into categories of low, medium, or high um, adherence to these healthy foods versus these unhealthy foods. Mm -hmm. And the people who ate the highest, um, um, you know, they had the highest score on this mind diet score, um, it was equivalent versus the people who had the lowest. It was equivalent to being, um, being younger by about seven and a half years.
3: Wow.
2: Wow. That is a huge impact. Something we right. should all think about mm-hmm. <laughs> now.
3: <laughs> Definitely. And I had another question for you, too. So I see a lot of commercials out there, you know, ads online talking about supplements mm-hmm. for brain health. So are there actually supplements out there that can help
5: you with brain health? Um, the, anything about supplements is such a loaded question. Um, generally, there is. Um, limited evidence on almost every supplement mm. out there. There may be, you know, very very limited evidence. the The trouble, what troubles me most about supplements is because they are not regulated um, mm. by the FDA. There, many of them are contaminated with. Um, Components that they don't list on the on the label. Um, I read an article um, regarding um, supplements for brain health, and several of them, when they were studied, when you know the chemical makeup of them was studied, um, they were they had very high doses of actual medications oh. that are not approved in the U.S. Oh wow! Uh, and so it's just it's it's like the wild west, mm-hmm. and it's just scary. Um, so I really recommend, and you know, things that are um, antioxidant or, or um, you know that decrease inflammation. So anything from a plant, herbs, spices, all of the different colors in fruits and vegetables, um, whole grains, um, the fiber that's in the beans and the whole grains and the nuts, all of those things. Um, that are on this top 10 list, help to decrease the inflammation in the body, which is what some of those um, supplements might report, you know, might say that they're doing. But doing it with food is always safer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Marsha, is there one big misconception out there related to nutrition and brain health or, or maybe... I I don't know. It's something that we we might think, uh, or is colloquial, being passed down that we think is okay. This isn't so bad for us, but maybe we we really need to pay attention to.
5: Um, I'm not sure about that. Um, if 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 you brought me one, I could I
6: could
5: tell you. There, I think probably a lot of the you know people want that that easy magic bullet that pill. Um, you know, those the supplements mm-hmm. um, and there are, t- you know, there are ads for them. I see them all yes. the time on TV and um, it's just, they generally um, have not been proven to mm-hmm. be helpful. And, you know, they say clinical studies that they've been proven, but the, you know, the information that I read um, says that there's generally not strong evidence.
1: Hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's good to know. And Marsha, we're just about out of time here. I do want to thank you so much for joining us today. She is Marsha Kenner, registered dietitian at Wake Med Health and Hospital. She works in cardiac rehab and inpatient nutrition. Marsha, we really appreciate your time and expertise today.
5: No problem. I enjoyed it. And um, thank you for um, considering nutrition as part of uh, this uh show it's sometimes, um, not, not thought of, and it is, it can be very helpful as, as I've shown, um, with this mind diet.
1: Well, later, we're going to drink a glass of wine yes. in, in your honor and in honor of <laughs> Just, nutrition yeah, and well, brain no, health.
5: Not a whole glass. No, that's, that's right. Just a, a Wine is only five ounces. So,
1: five. Okay. Um, I need to start measuring yeah, my check, pores. Yeah. Check,
5: check how big your wine glass is. That, <laughs> that's
1: one of the problems. All right, Marcia. We'll, we'll certainly keep nice. you in mind. We are going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care On FM 98.5 AM 680
0: WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org.
1: You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. And we're now going to shift our focus to falls. And we know that uh, that can always be a a very scary situation. And as uh, aging occurs, that's something that we definitely want to have on our radar. And we are pleased to welcome Anne Pierce. Anne is a physical therapist at WakeMed Health and Hospitals in the outpatient clinics. Anne, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thanks for having me. And I'm so glad you're here today. You know, this, today's episode, we've been talking a lot about brain health since it's brain health month in June. Um, And we know that a lot of brain diseases, sometimes uh, like with strokes or aneurysms, can lead to uh, some potential falls in the home. And actually, your timing for being on today's episode is perfect for me personally My grandmother is 92. She still lives at home. Uh, She has a rollator. And last weekend, she had a fall. I'll preface with she's fine, just a few bumps and bruises. Um, But... You know, this is something we've been worried about with her with her rollator and home, and she ended up leaving it outside of the bathroom when she tried to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and Mm. drama ensued from there. (laughs) Uh, So can you talk to us a little bit first off? Uh, Let's talk about the falls assessment program. So how often should someone be assessed for a fall risk?
6: Right. Um, I think at least once a year it would be good to go through a formal risk assessment, and that can be done with someone's primary care provider, um, or they're often offered throughout the community in September, which is Falls Prevention Awareness Month. So you can find fall risk screenings at um, local hospitals, WakeMed has one, um, the other hospitals will as well, as well as senior centers and some gyms even offer them. And the assessment should look at kind of some risk factors um, that go from environmental risk factors to health risk factors, as well as do a couple simple tests to see like how fast you walk, if you're able to stand up without using your hands. And that information can kind of um, help us figure out if someone might be at risk for falling and needs to, to do something to get better.
2: Wonderful. What is actually involved in a falls assessment and how long does something like this take to do?
6: Uh, it should take five to 10 minutes, um, so it can be pretty quick, um, and we like to look at the, a variety of risk factors that contribute to people falling, Mm -hmm. so the first category might be environmental risk factors, um like your grandmother mm-hmm. you know, ran into in the bathroom. And so things that we consider with this is if there's throw rugs around the house, um, if there's clutter in paths where you most yes. often walk that you're stepping, having to step around, um, if you don't have good lighting on, um, if you have to reach to the high or low shelves very often to get your shoes or to get your favorite coffee mug, it might be easy to just move those things between shoulder and knee height. And then that lowers your risk of falling. Um, If people are interested in a checklist that might help you look through your environmental risk factors, Mm -hmm. there's a nice one called Check for Safety that the CDC puts out. And you can find that by Googling CDC Check for Safety. And I think it should pop up. Um, Then the next category of risk factors we would consider are behavioral risk factors, so Mm -hmm. what a person is doing and how that affects their falling. Um, or their risk of falling. And that could include both if a person is not active enough, that can increase your risk of falling. And also if you're doing unsafe things that you should not be doing, such as using a ladder, even though you have a balance problem. Yes. And then I think the final category might be um, biological risk factors. So these are things that include dizziness, numbness in your feet, weakness, depression, hearing loss, Mm -hmm. Um, incontinence, and taking more than four medications. So Mm -hmm. all of those things can increase your risk of falling, and all of those things can be um, treated and improved, and that will help decrease your risk. Um, So the last checklist I'll give you about these risk factors is another CDC brochure called Stay Independent. Mm -hmm. Um, You can find that by Googling CDC Stay Independent, and it's a list of questions that you go through. Um, You check yes or no, and depending on your score, it you know, says you may be at risk of falling, talk to your doctor, I think that would be a good checklist to print out and take into your next um, primary care visit to start the conversation.
3: Hmm, That's good to know. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a resource I'll be sending to my family to check out. (laughs) Um, So you mentioned too that a lot of people feel like the less they move around, the less likely they are to fall. And I know my grandmother definitely feels this way. You know, she's, Mm -hmm. she's very nervous about moving around too much. And if I'm being honest, um, I love you, my mom, but she has not always been the most active person um, out there. So, is that really true that um, that the less people move around, the less likely they are to fall?
6: Um, no. So this is not true, and the in fact, the opposite is true. So if you move around less, you're likely to become weaker and mm-hmm. less steady, and both of those things will make you more likely to fall. So it's important that you find a way that you can stay active safely, um, and that will you know, increase your strength, help you keep your balance so that you can continue to be safe at home.
3: What are some suggestions you would have to do some of kind of that life movement you were talking about? You know, I'm thinking about my grandmother who has her walker, and she's got a small home, you know, we've tried to suggest to her maybe getting up and just moving around your house where you can. Um, So, you know, what are some things you would recommend to her maybe to do?
6: right so um one of the risk factors for falling is if you've fallen before so someone mm-hmm. like your grandma who's just had a fall may yes. benefit from working with physical therapy yeah. um, and if they can't get out easily to physical therapy they may qualify for a physical therapist yes. to come to their house to help learn some exercises to do around the house um, if someone is able to get out there's a lot of great classes offered um, in our community that you can take advantage of um So the gold standard kind of class would be an evidence-based fall prevention program. And if someone is interested in seeing what those are, they are listed on the National Council on Aging website, which is ncoa.org. There's a fall prevention link under the Older Adults tab that has lots of good information. A couple of those classes, um, one is called A Matter of Balance, and that's a class that has both education, discussion, and exercises, and it's over the course of several weeks. It's been shown to decrease people's fall risk. Um, tai Chi has been shown to really uh-huh. decrease people's fall risk, and there's several Tai Chi classes offered at our senior centers in Wake County. Um, the hospital systems often offer Tai Chi classes. The YMCA has a Tai Chi class. Um, if those things don't interest you, there's a program called the Silver Sneakers program Mm -hmm. that provides free gym memberships to older adults and often classes as well. So you could try some of those and see if you like them. Um, So I would encourage everyone to find an exercise they enjoy, because if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to stick with it. So trying to find something you like and you'll stick with it long term. But if exercise is absolutely not your thing, even getting involved in some sort of social group like a sewing circle or Mm -hmm. a book club or um, a card group will get you, keep you active, get you out of the house, and that will help you decrease your fall risk um, in that way.
3: Those are That's great. such great info. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm literally, you guys can see me with my phone here, I literally <laughs> just texted my parents and said, we may want to look into getting grandma a uh, falls risk assessment.
2: <laughs> yeah. Are there any other final resources that are available in the community that you can share with our listeners who are interested in learning more about a falls risk program or different things that they can do to prevent falls? Yep.
6: Yeah, um, there is a um, triangle-wide coalition um, oh, wow. to – called the Triangle Falls Prevention Coalition. You can Google that. And they have a website um, with this information and more. Um, and then I would just tell people to look um, you know, on the WakeMed, the Rex, the Duke websites, and talk to their gyms and see as you know, things open back up this fall if anyone is having any fall prevention events. Because I think um, those often offer a comprehensive screening and a lot of information that can be really helpful.
1: Anne, wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, if it was as helpful to our listeners as it was to us in the studio here, this mm-hmm. was a, a wonderful segment, and we thank you so much for your time and your suggestions and your knowledge. She is Ann Pierce, physical therapist at WakeMed Health and Hospitals. She's in the outpatient clinics. Anne, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. We are taking another break, but we'll be right back after this. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5, AM 680,
0: WPTF News, Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care, here's your host, Jason Kong. This is Aging Matters,
1: care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. We thank our friends from WakeMed for Uh, having a very thorough and robust discussion on brain health. We are now going to turn our focus to long distance caregiving. And Sam, we're going to stick with you since you shared the story of uh, the fall that your grandmother had this past week. And you know, this is something that uh, you can probably speak very well to. I
3: sure can. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, I've talked about my grandmother before on the show. She's 92. She still lives pretty independently at home. She has the help of um, some private duty aides coming in to assist. Um, but she lives in Maryland and my parents live in South Carolina. So it's really it's been quite a journey trying to organize care for her and do that from afar. Um, you know, it's not a quick trip to get to her five hours for me, about eight to ten hours for them. So um, we've had to come up with a lot of creative ways to caregive for her. From a distance, um, so we wanted to share some tips for you because we know that realistically, a lot of people caregiving these days are doing it from a distance. Um, mm-hmm. Families live in separate towns, states, um, across the country. So, you know, we've got to get creative in how we do this. Um, so, one of the things that we do and have done that has worked out very well for my grandmother is including local people on her caregiving team. Um, we're really grateful that it where she lives is a very small small town and she is kind of the matriarch of the town so everybody knows her um she's got a very strong church community which we've talked about in a previous episode um we've done things like outreach to her church to see if anyone knows of caregivers um when we had a situation where her caregiver um is pursuing a full-time job at another um facility so uh, we had to kind of switch gears there and search for someone um so just using everyone you can uh, mm-hmm. other team members can include some gatekeepers um like postal carriers actually this okay oh, yeah. here's your funny t- for today <laughs> so my grandmother's postman his name is kenny g
1: Kenny. Kenny, man. Um, Really keeping himself busy these days. He
3: does. You know, we're not sure if that's a nickname or his real name because there's a lot of nicknames in town, but he has actually been so instrumental in helping out my grandmother. He's done a lot to help her with technology. Um, She's been a real, um, on a real, the crown kick on Netflix, and he has been so wonderful coming in to help her set it up. Um, She managed to get Chinese subtitles on it somehow. So (laughs) he's done a lot, but he's been been great at communicating with our family too you know he's there almost every day so he's checking in on her um so utilizing people like that um kind of something thinking outside of the box you wouldn't really think of um to check on folks that that you're caring for from a distance so kenny g shout out to you he's been great
2: (laughs) that's really interesting and you know i think this has been a this is a timely topic with covid and and people have been trying to do this from afar for a while and we're coming out of this and so being able to continually reassess and monitor situations and make sure that your loved ones are safe and and taken care of, even post COVID, has been really important. And it's crucial to watch for the changes and yes. and looking for new needs and abilities and um, and. Uh, a list, enlisting in a local caregiving team, having a home care per, uh, organization come in or um, looking for red flags. You know, you could mm-hmm. even have a system set up where they're weighing themselves and you're checking for weight loss or weight gain. Or if you know that bills are piling up and you're seeing it because you're managing finances mm-hmm. online, that's something that might be a red flag or, um, or if there's decreased personal care that you can notice. Even in Zoom calls, you know, you see that your mom or dad or grandparents aren't washing their hair as much or you know, you can kind of start to notice things that even in Zoom calls or virtually where there's mail piling up around or things look cluttered. And um, it's, it's really important to monitor these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely.
1: just checking in and making sure that things are still the same. And, you know, th- these are some great tips because... Uh, some of us may be in a long-distance uh, caregiving situation when we hadn't planned on. You know, maybe mm-hmm. your parents were planning to move here to the Triangle. Maybe like they were five years from retirement, and they said, "Hey, you know, in five years we'll we'll move to Raleigh." Well, uh, good luck pulling that off uh-huh. these days yeah. in this market. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, things can change pretty fast. So you, you do have to be aware of what these resources are available to you. And uh, man, I love the story about Kenny G. Kenny because G. You, you wouldn't think that uh, the the, the the postman could play such a vital role like that but kudos to him for going above and beyond he and is, uh man. you know my mailman is great but i can't imagine him coming in and helping me set <laughs> helping up netflix you set your netflix settings yeah. i
3: know <laughs> uh, another great tip is to be realistic and creative about what you can do from a distance mm. um, i did a lot of this when my grandmother was hospitalized in November. And, you know, it took a lot of coordination for her getting discharged. We needed someone to be there to pick her up. Um, We were trying to coordinate her to get home with a home health organization. So, um, you know, I was able to help with that by calling the hospital every day, checking in with case management. How's she doing today? What's she looking like for discharge? You know, here are organizations we'd like to use for her home health. Here's what she needs. Mm -hmm. Um, So staying, I think, in constant communication too um, with even just her primary care providers or Mm -hmm. other providers, you know, calling them. You can help set up appointments for them. Uh, You know, this is another reason why we talk about in our other episodes establishing health care power of attorneys is Mm -hmm. very important. Um, Once you do that, they can help you. With those type of things. Um, you know, we actually have been doing a lot, too. We've added her address onto our Amazon account. So we send her up anything she needs through Amazon since she's not able to drive, go out and drive around town. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we can send her some of her... Um, a, depends that she needs um, just household supplies Uh, you know she needs some Harper medications too we can send her those and uh, utilizing amazon has really been a godsend for us for that you know it gets dropped off right there at her door and it's there for her so you know i encourage people to do things like that we've talked before on episodes about utilizing things like instacart or uber eats Mm -hmm. i mean there's just so many technologies out there and, and one of the great things that's has come from the pandemic is the amount of delivery options you can get right to your front door. Yeah, I think
2: growing on the technology piece, I think there's also beyond just video chat and and delivery services, there's new uh, personal safety monitoring mm-hmm. tools and medical alert systems and even video cameras and motion sensors that you can put on doors and rooms and external doors so that you know when someone's leaving and when they come home and um, I think utilizing all of those services so you're keeping a really close eye on your loved one is super important from a distance you can do even GPS tracking you can put things on people's cars and mm-hmm. on their cell phones or how do you enable you as a caregiver to make sure that you're getting the full picture and I think that there's so many apps out there and different little devices I don't I have devices everywhere <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> devices on everything I should put these on my dogs so. <laughs> (laughs)
1: Well, these are some wonderful tips, and again, uh, Sam, I think you brought up a a really good point on kind of knowing who to call and the Mm -hmm. questions to ask, and that can kind of be intimidating for some folks, but it's it's an important step that we have to take to make sure that our loved ones are okay and that they're doing their best and that they're in their best health.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, we do want to thank all of our guests again today. A big shout out to Dr. Lynn Kakus, Ann Pierce, and Marsha Kenner, all from WakeMed Health and Hospitals for their time today and for their expertise on all things related to brain health. I want to remind you, if you want to find more information about Aging Matters, maybe you want to go back and listen to some of those segments or past episodes of Aging Matters, you can do that by going to wptf. Dot com and clicking on the podcast button. From there, find the Aging Matters section, and there you'll find plenty of information about Transitions Life Care, as well as the full archive of audio episodes of Aging Matters. We are out of time for today. Uh, I want to thank uh, our co-hosts as well, Sam Peterson and Mary Lucas. They always do a wonderful job. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We hope you will join us again next Saturday at 4. This has been Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF News Talk traffic. Have a great day.
0: You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.